Welcome back. Bill Michaels Show. We uh, we continue on. Glad uh, you're with us today. Hey, a reminder again, coming up on Thursday, we're going to be live. We're going to be at the Social House uh, over on Lisbon Road. Social House, H-A-U-S. And uh, doing the show there, coming up on Thursday. It's their grand reopening, and we're going to be there in not only conjunction with that, but in promoting the motorcycle ride coming up on Sunday, September 4th. It's our 15th annual poker run benefiting Fisher House, Wisconsin, but also a portion of their proceeds from the weekend. Uh, they're going to do a lot of donation stuff towards Fisher House, Wisconsin as well. We can't say thanks enough to Dan Della and his staff for inviting us and making us a part of this. It's going to be a fun, fun time, and it's kicking off a grand reopening for them and, and their business. So thanks so much, and hopefully uh, you get a chance to come out and see us again coming up Thursday, this Thursday, this Thursday. Lisbon Road, Menominee Falls, Brookfield, right in that area. Social House, H-A-U-S. We will see you there uh, for the program. Joining us now on the hotline is our good buddy uh, Jim Ozarski from the Journal Sentinel. Jim, how you been? Well, I'm good, Bill. Thanks for having me. You bet, man. So this this whole thing came crashing down sooner than many people had thought, and the Milwaukee Bucks season comes to an end. However, uh, yesterday we found out that had the, the Bucks actually been playing tonight, chances are Middleton wouldn't have been back, right? Yeah, so Chris uh, shed some light on on his recovery, or I guess lack thereof, um, you know, in exit interviews yesterday, Bill, where he said, look, I, I wasn't going to be ready for games six and seven. He was making progress. He clarified that, said that he suffered no setbacks in recovering from the MCL, but he just, the MCL was, was too injured to come back at that point. So, of course, the natural, you play the what-if game. And he entertained that. He said, uh, if if they were to be, you know, if we were in Miami right now, Bill, talking about the Eastern Conference Finals, Chris Middleton would not be available. He 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 said probably not. Um, and maybe if the East Finals had been an extended series, he, he'd get in. But um, he said that that the MCL just proved to be too too injured to come back but not too injured where he'll have to have any kind of surgery. He said he'll be able to just heal naturally now that the offseason has begun. So now where do the Bucks go from here? We saw them struggle scoring. Defensively, defending the three was not good. Uh, they just they couldn't stop Tatum and what he had going on. So give me your assessment. Coming out of this series, what now? Well, the, 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 the easy part is, look, it's the big three. And it's John Horst's job to to kind of fill in the gaps around them. I mean, it, when the, your top three players are all max deals and, and push you right up against the salary cap, you know, there's no, there aren't big trades and big swings to be had. You know, I mean, those days are, are gone at least for another couple of years. Now, the the, the question is, um, and I'm going to give a hat tip to John Hollinger, the former NBA executive. He works for the Athletic. He brought up the fact that, you know, the way the Celtics chose to attack the Bucks, and he mentioned Dallas also beating the Suns, was, okay, if a team like the Bucks are going to pack the paint, as they have done under Mike Budenholzer, what do you do with that? You shoot threes because, again, we played this game. And the Bucks have won a lot this way. They won a championship this way with the threes. Well, if other teams are going to – take the big man off the floor and just shoot threes, what does it do? It forces Burke Lopez to the bench. It forces Giannis Antetokounmpo to the center or the five spot. So how does John Horst react to that? 
Brooke Lopez is on an expiring deal. He's really the only trade piece this team has, Bill. Um, they've got the number 30 overall draft pick in the first round. They can't trade it until draft day. So, and I don't know what kind of value that is. So, really, I think the Bucks have a really hard decision of, Brooks got a year left. Do you run it back with him as part of that core of this five-year run and just try to fill it in? Or do you begin the, the, the change of how you play and maybe – Brooke is a trade piece, and, and you, you start to go a little smaller. I don't know. That That's a big question. Um, I, I could see it go either way because, honestly, Bill, they have the best basketball player in the world right now. Giannis Adetokounmpo has, mm-hmm. has ascended to that level, and when you have that guy, things can change. Because, Bill, I don't think we're having this conversation if Chris Middleton's healthy. So that's also part of that calculus if you're the Bucks. It's like, okay, well, maybe – other teams have figured out a way to, to minimize our paint protection. However, if the big three are healthy, Bill, they went 30, 37 and 10 in the regular season. That's like a 79% winning percentage. Mm-hmm. If those three guys are together, the Bucks are, <laughs> I mean, that's the best team in basketball. So it, it'll be an interesting, you know, a couple of months here for John Horst for sure. Well, that's my next question. Do you because you know fans look at it and say, "Well, you need more scoring. You need you need defense on the perimeter. You need to do." But also, you don't want to be you don't want to make it a knee jerk reaction because if your team is healthy, and for the most part, this team has been healthy. But if this team is healthy, they're one of the best teams in basketball as is. That's why maybe you don't go out and make mass changes. Uh, you make a tweak here or there, maybe add something to your bench, uh, trying to find something a little bit better than Grayson Allen. But then again, everybody is trying to find a perimeter shooter. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. And, and I know that when Brooke Lopez came back, he changed the way teams approach the paint for the Milwaukee Bucks because he changed shots. He, he teams. It wasn't that he was blocking a ton. It was just that teams weren't taking him because he was down low, you know? Right. And that's, that is, you know, uh, if they – decide that the, the four starters are back, and that includes Brooke Lopez. I mean, that's most of your cap, and, and they do what they did last year, where it's the Rodney Hoods and the Shemi Ojales and the West Matthews and kick it back a few years and Kyle Corvers. And, I mean, that's just where they're at. I mean, Grayson Allen, though, under contract, is, is team-friendly, quote-unquote. I, I think Grayson showed enough this year, Bill, that he can he can be a part of a winning team and, 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 and be involved. It's just how do you – you know, fill out the rest. And honestly, that's the hard part. We don't know who is going to be available on the buyout market. We don't know which sort of veteran out there would say, hey, you know what? The Bucks are the team that I'll take the minimum for. You know, that's impossible to predict. So really, unless they choose to move on from Brooke, it's it's hard to predict who fills in those gaps, Bill. But you're right. It's, um, it's a good question because it's easy to, to look at Boston and say, wow, they, you know, they hit enough threes. Well, I mean, they almost didn't, you know, and that was without Chris Middleton. So you're right. It's really right. interesting. Um, the Bucks are a very good team. They're going to be one of the, what, six or seven that can win the championship next year. So, yeah, there's not a, a panic mode by any means to, to get into. Uh, this team did not shoot the ball extremely well, and, and – I mean, I don't know how else to put it. It's just they just couldn't go shot for shot. Did things just get away from them 
Jim, because there were times when I thought, okay, they look really, really good. And then all of a sudden, it just it seemed like floor spacing was bad. And, and maybe they needed to make some changes. Grant Hill getting a lot of minutes at one point and then coming off of injury. And it seemed like Bud was trying to kind of rejuvenate something from what he had back in the old Spurs days with George Hill rather than maybe going to a, uh, a different guy that maybe could defend better, shoot the ball. Well, you know what I mean? It just seemed like Bud was going to stick with what got him there, and it just ultimately failed and the, uh, the changes weren't made. Yeah, well, there's there's two things. One, you're right; they couldn't make a shot. I mean, that they were for Grant as as incredible as Grant Williams was making seven threes. Um, the Bucks, you know, were the opposite end of the spectrum. There, I, I think, you know, 20, I mean, first of all, they didn't make any threes in the in Game Seven. So there's like a zero percent make chance, and I think they only made two wide open threes in Game Six. I mean. You you wouldn't even if you were to say oh Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez, Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen, you know Drew Holiday, Giannis even okay maybe maybe they're not all forty percent shooters. You'd expect them to make more than two <laughs> over mm-hmm. over a two game period, right? So I don't know what the answers to that is other than you tip your cap to Boston and say their supporting players showed up and made shots and the Bucks players did it. Now, the adjustments thing and, and rotation stuff, Bill, look, I, I get it. Grant Hill and Grayson Allen are not, you know, for whatever reason, fan favorites. The Bucks played early 2000s-level basketball on the defensive end. I mean, Jason Tatum had his one night, but we're not sitting here talking about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart scoring, you know, combining for 90 points a game in this series. Like, those guys were pretty much neutralized. And the, the reason it looked bad is because the Bucks couldn't score. And let's be honest, Bill, who on that bench is coming in to score 18 points? Right. Ron Carter's not scoring 18 points. Luca Veldoza's not scoring 12 points. I mean, let's be real. Like, they miss Chris Middleton. That's how these top-heavy rosters are constructed. And that's what happens when one of those guys gets hurt. So I get the frustration because the Bucks are no longer playing. But if you really, like, dispassionately look at it, Bill, they could not score. Defense wasn't a problem. Stopping Tatum and Brown wasn't a problem. It was they couldn't put the ball in the basket. And no one on that bench was going to be able to give them more than what they had. It's just, it, it, Bill, it's like, you know, the backup quarterback playing for Aaron Rodgers. Like, it, it's just, you're not going to get four touchdowns. <laughs> it's not, that's right. not the answer. They had to find it from other ways, and they just didn't have enough. So, uh, by the way, we're talking with Jim Ozarski. Uh, he's with the Journal Sentinel, covered the Milwaukee Bucks all season long. So, I mean, I know Giannis talked about getting away, getting some rest. It's also, putting it in perspective, it was a hell of a run. Uh, from where they were, the fact that they finally won a championship, all of that to get to this point, yeah, it a little bit early. The difficulty in repeating, as we all know, is so unbelievably challenging. But give me your assessment of the run going back to last year prior to when they won the championship all the way through this season and the adversity they faced. Yeah, it's pretty special, but I'm actually writing that exact thing for, for JSOnline.com as, uh, as soon as we hang up this phone. Um, look, it was just July. At the end of July when, when the Deer District Rock, hashtag Bucks and Six, um, 70 days off. 
for most of the team, 50 days off for Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, you know, who, who then went and won Olympic gold for, for the United States of America. So you can't – I don't think you can truly separate the two years, Bill. Brooke Lopez missed 69 games. I just did a count. Um, the Bucks missed 52 total games due to either COVID or illness this year. Now, granted, other teams face that, but that, that's a real thing. Um, you know, Chris Middleton had a hyperextended knee during the regular season. Brooke, you know, Drew Holiday had missed games with his ankle. Um, so, you know, Pat Connaughton missed over a dozen games with a broken hand, you know. So, and yet mm-hmm. they still were the three seed, what, two games out of the one seed. And that's because Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in basketball. And this is still a really, really good team. I think there's no shame in losing to the Boston Celtics, Bill. It feels like the Brooklyn series a year ago where the winner of that series is going to represent the East in the finals. It just feels that way, you know. Um, And even if not, it it still was a, a, you know, Boston had to, you know, do all they could and have historic performances. So you're right. You, you zoom out, and these two years mushed into you know one. <laughs> Basically, it has been a it has been a heck of a run and, and really really high level basketball from from these Milwaukee Bucks. Hey, uh, one more thing before I let you go. So I mean, I know you talked about you know well you've got most of your salary rung up in your starters, and I understand that. Does this team? ever look at it and say, we're so close, we don't want to let this uh, pass by and actually go over that luxury tax? Yeah, that's, uh, that is always the, the challenge for this ownership. Now, to their credit, they have gone into the tax. Um, Wesley Matthews counted for that. Javon Carter counted for that. DeAndre Bembry, unfortunately, only played a couple games before his season-ending injury. He counted toward that. I think, Bill what we're going to see is they're going to want to be under that tax to start the season with a little bit of wiggle room for that buyout market next. I mean, this this is a team when you are talking about a championship level basketball team, it is all about the mid season to me. Um, It's all about that buyout market, you know, so they're going to kind of pick around the edges, the Shemi Ojeles, the Rodney Hoods, (laughs) you know, those uh, Mm -hmm. Tory Craig's, those are the guys that are going to be in the mix. Now, they're going to hope they find the next Bobby Portis because Bobby was one of those guys. No one saw this right. coming with Bobby Portis. So you hope you hit a home run. And then these other guys I just mentioned, DJ Augustine, well, they all were traded <laughs> so or released. So that's all part of this mix. The only big move, Bill, would be if they choose to – to start the roster turn with moving away from Brooke Lopez as he hits that expiring deal and is clearly healthy and is clearly still a real difference maker that another team would say, wow, that guy can help us. And it would be the Bucks having to make that really hard decision of do you do it a year early or, you know, do, do you just <laughs> wait the, the year, not too late, but you just let it, the contract play out. That's right. the hard decision, I think, Bill. But yeah, it's it's um, and then the luxury tax stuff I think comes later next you know next buyout market. 
Jim, always good stuff, man. We appreciate it. Hey, uh, real quick, give me your uh, – I know that they had made a statement. I know we're running a little bit late. I know they made a statement about security and the watch parties and such going into next season. Give me your thoughts on what happened on Friday night with the shootings at the Deer District and uh, the team itself being locked down, their family members being locked down inside the Pfizer Forum as everybody went to leave and what's gone on down there. Yeah, I, I, my understanding, Bill, is that the Bucks are still, as an organization, are having meetings about that. I don't, I mean, you know, the, 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 the violence happened outside of that sort of, you know, fenced-in area that, that is the district, but I don't know what can be done beyond that. And, and it's unfortunate because as Pat Connaughton said, you know, game six, 65,000 people come together and it was a, a mix of everyone and everything having a party, right? I don't mm-hmm. know. And now, that changed this year. You know, it wasn't as open as that. I mean, there was some commerce involved with selling tickets and whatever. Going forward, Bill, I don't know. I mean, it was a scary situation. I, I've covered several mass shooting, um, you know, situations. It is a scary moment. You're out there trying to correct, collect the right information, to give to people and it's sort of real time. Um, and so you get that feeling of what is happening, you know, what, what's the safety issue in this building right now, or, or even just outside it. So you could feel that um, in, in those initial moments, Bill, but yes, going forward, I, I mean, it's between the bucks, obviously in the city of Milwaukee to figure out, okay, it, it, maybe not that random regular season game, but definitely these huge events, what do you do outside and not just the deer district, but beyond that, ah, those are tough questions. Jim, always good, buddy. Uh, get back at it. We'll read your stuff coming up soon, and uh, we'll talk again down the road, okay? All right, Bill. Looking forward to it as always. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. There you go. Jim Ozarski, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, following us uh, and talking to us a little bit about this Bucks uh, end of the season and just a kind of little bit of everything, I guess. Um, but it's interesting because uh, for the people that want to see mass change and big-name shooters and such come in, he's got a point. You know, you go into the season with arguably the best player in the world. You make hay. You position yourself. And then you make a deal. Then you find a, a player or two. Yeah, you're going to go over the salary cap, but these are the guys that are going to help you push that to where you are then back to being in legit contention to win a championship or at least give you the edge to be the front runner when it comes to winning a championship. So good stuff there from our buddy Jim Ozarski. Hey, uh, Wisconsinites, we're not snooty. We know that. We're not snooty. We're all good. We got Midwestern charm and value, if you will. And that's exactly what Forgotten Fire Winery in Peshtigo, that's what they're all about up there. They call it fun in a bottle, my friends, without attitude. And you can find their full lineup of wines and ciders and such in their tasting room or in liquor stores, wine stores, grocery stores all throughout the great state of Wisconsin. And it's a great place to just kind of get away. Just if you want to just take a weekend and go relax, uh, they have music, live music up there, private events they can even do. So if you're looking for a cool place to maybe go and do a, you know, a, a corporate gathering, if you're looking for a good place to bachelorette party, bachelor party, whatever it happens to be, uh, or just a bunch of friends. Anytime's a great time for our, our friends over at Forgotten Fire Winery and uh, their ciders as well. Wisconsin wine made from Wisconsin people. Go to ForgottenFireWinery.com. That is ForgottenFireWinery.com. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up. 
This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. done by any stretch of the imagination this portion of the program brought to you by our good friends over there at um, at uh, the wrestling taco in west dallas and on 84th street if you are uh, looking for a fantastic place to go fun place to go as a matter of fact um by all means stop in and check out uh, the uh, wrestling taco the wrestling taco 84th street just south of state fair park and maybe if you're heading out to the wisconsin state fair park Next Wednesday night for Wednesday Night Live, they open at 4, stop in, get yourself a little meal, you're good to go, then head over and enjoy the music. Enjoy the music. Good stuff. Uh, Let's do this. Uh, The Green Bay Packers and uh, Joe Barry talking to the media uh, a little bit earlier. Peter Bukowski, uh, co-founder of The Leap and host of the uh, Locked on Packers podcast, joining us on the hotline. Pete, how you been, buddy? I'm I'm good. I'm I'm glad we get to finally talk about the players that are definitely on the roster and not the players who might be on the roster. Right? No, I completely agree with you. So you tell me, since we really haven't chatted a whole lot since the draft as far as guys, how they look and what the what their place and role is going to be, give me your thoughts on this team and, and the depth of this team right now. I love that you started there because I think that's what stands out to me. When you, when you look at players where you need multiple guys, all of a sudden they have not just their starters, but they can go into sub package. That's, that's part of what Quay Walker allows you to be able to do is to have a linebacker rather than playing a third safety. You can just keep that guy on the field. When, when you look at this receiver core, I understand Devontae Adams isn't there. But you bring in Sammy Watkins so that you feel good about the three receivers that you're going to put out there for sure for most of the snaps, probably Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazar, Randall Cobb, unless one of these rookies really pops or Amari Rogers, you know, takes some big steps. But now you have Amari Rogers in year two. You have this this high upside developmental receiver in Christian Watson. You have uh, a a little bit more of a polished guy in Romeo Dubs who you think can probably come in and, and play a role for you. And then the offensive line build. I'm I'm just sort of giddy at thinking about all of the possibilities for this team. I'm sure Adam Senovich is as well. With all of the talent that this offensive line has, beyond David Bakhtiari and and Elton Jenkins, we know those guys are the real deal. They they have probably six guys to compete for three spots. And in, in a league where there are NFL teams, and we can remember not that long ago, the Green Bay Packers were this team, where it was hard to put five guys out there that you felt good about. I mean, let's not, let's not go back to the Byron Bells and, and some of these, these names that we can think of of recent vintage, not that long ago, where you're having to, to really uh, rely on your superstar offensive lineman to make up for some of those miscues. There's so much more depth there, and the defensive line is another spot. This is, this is a place where fans have been begging the Packers to invest a little bit more heavily. They bring in Jerron Reed in the offseason. They draft Devontae Wyatt. And now, all of a sudden, you've got maybe six guys that you feel good about on that defensive line, not just three. And in this defense, they're going to be playing only two or three of those guys on a consistent basis. Now you can shuttle those guys through. 
you have depth, even if outside of Kenny Clark, you may not have that, that true elite, elite, you know, field tilting kind of player. When you start to you listen to the national pundits, and when you start to talk about the NFC and a Super Bowl representative, it starts with uh, the Rams and possibly repeating. They talk about Dallas and the talent they have, and this being Mike McCarthy kind of on the hot seat type of year, and for Dak Prescott as well. Arizona's got a solid team. Tom Brady obviously is back in Tampa Bay. And then it's kind of like an, oh, yeah, by the way, Aaron Rodgers is there. And as long as he's there, they are a Super Bowl contender for (laughs) sure. But tell me why those teams would be considered better than what the Packers have. Well, let me let me uh, let me throw it back at you. Don't you think Green Bay revels in that? Don't you think Aaron Rodgers in particular would would love it if 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 the national media spent the year going? Yeah, but they're they're just they can't do it. No, they they would love that, and that's part of the, right. I think that's part of the DNA of this fan base too. Of the this is it's a blue collar fan base. It's owned by the the fans. I, I think that's right. I, I don't I don't know why um, that is that is being the case. Um, but what's interesting is ESPN came out with their football power index, which is an analytical model based on projections for this season, and the number one team in the NFC was the Green Bay Packers. So if you want to look at win totals. Um, if you want to look at Super Bowl odds, yeah, the Rams are at the top of the conference. And I think that part of that is just they're the defending champs and, and they're, you know, I think have become now a public team. They're in a, a big market and they're going to get a lot of attention. But the, the Packers and the Bucks are sort of right there. And that's without any additional movement that could still happen. Ian Rappaport said a week ago that Green Bay could is very much still interested in, in adding receivers. If that's something that they can do, Julio Jones, Will Fuller, Odell Beckham Jr. are names that are out there. If, you, if if they sign Julio Jones, don't you think that their odds all of a sudden shoot up? That and whether that's fair or not, I mean, I don't, I don't think Julio Jones. Right. Any of us thinks Julio Jones is is what he used to be, but I think that would change the the perception and the narrative. Uh, it's not going to take long, I think, for for most people to realize how good this team is. Um, and I, I think part of it is just you you you're seeing it with Kansas City too. Everyone wants to talk about Buffalo and what they did and, and the, the Bengals and the feel-good Bengals. And, all, and it's like, well, yeah, but at the end of the year, it's still going to be Patrick Mahomes. And, and I think that's, that's true for the Packers. I, I do also think, though, Bill, the way that this last offseason ended or this last season ended, excuse me, has put a bad taste in the mouth of a lot of right. and, and, and probably fans, too. When, when you have been the number one seed now uh, two years in a row and you had a first round by three years in a row, and your season ends as inauspiciously as it has over the last three years for Green Bay, it becomes a little bit like, um, you know, we see this in basketball. It's like, okay, okay, Bucks, until you prove it, you are going to be the, the non-trendy team, and then the Bucks go out and, and they win the title. What you hope is they don't become the Chris Pauls, the James Hardens, and it's just like, okay, well, you need to prove it to us again, and then they never actually do that. Um, but it's going to change in, in the first six weeks of the season if they if they play the way that they did last year. But it, we don't have to go back that far. Last year it was the same kind of deal. You know, they they, they got they get their pants pulled down by the the San Francisco 49ers, and and there wasn't that much buzz going into their 2020 season. Aaron Rodgers has all that drama, and it's just sort of like, yeah, this could be a season from hell for the Packers. And then it turns out to be this thing. Even even last year we didn't really get. Oh, this might be the best team in the in the conference until like Halloween, maybe later. Right. So let's take away the wide receiver position. What weakness is there on this Packers team then? 
Is there one? I mean, that's that's the thing. Is it, it, is like, can can you find me one? And I don't. Right. That's what I'm saying. Fourth, fourth, fourth corner, <laughs> like third safety, uh, maybe kicker. I, this is this is where this roster is, and I think that this is what we're, this is your point, right? That that we're forgetting how talented this team is. Right. So you you get Jair, Jair Alexander back. Some of these young players, Eric Stokes. Good chance he's better in year two than he was in year one. He was really good in year one. And so uh, if you get one of these guys to pop a little at receiver, you think about what what this defense can be, what this run game, the run game can be better than it was last year. If the offensive line stays healthy, you're getting David Bakhtiari back. Like you're getting two all-pro players at premium positions back. I don't think it's crazy to think that even with Devontae Adams, when you sort of aggregate out the, the the net returns and the net losses that this team cashes out to be better than the one from last year just by virtue of having these two superstar I mean top two kind of players at their position back and and rolling for this team with the with the, the additions that were made through the draft and and just through um, improvement that we might see this is going to be a really good football team and and I, and I think that maybe we've gotten a little bogged down in the in the Devontae Adams trade and all oh, they didn't draft a receiver. Like this is going to be an, a, a really competitive championship caliber team in a conference that's watered down in a, a Rams team that I think is not as good as it was last year. So yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. That, that was my point is that when you, if you take away the wide receiver position, and it's big, don't get me wrong. But if you, if you take that away, there's not a weakness on this team. The only weakness is, is waiting to and see what you're going to get out of Aaron Rodgers. Right. I mean, that's that's what he's getting fifty million a year for. Elevate the guy. Right, and and the only weakness that I could see would be, well, we're not going to get Elkin Jenkins back for a while, and we don't know what we're going to get out of David Bakhtiari as of yet. So there might be some some issues on the offensive line to start. But beyond that, I don't see they got stronger in the trenches. They were good last year. They got stronger at linebacker. They were really good last year. They've got the same pass rush, which was really good last year. Their secondary is probably one of the maybe top three, top five in the in the NFL. And then the offensive line is solid, short of maybe some of the question marks I gave you. Tight end is okay. You know, maybe you could say the weakness would be tight end, but their running core is as solid as anybody in the NFL. That's what I'm saying. I don't know why people want to degrade this team by simply saying they lost Devontae Adams. I agree. They, my preference would be to get one more veteran wide receiver, whether it's prior to training camp or as the season goes on. But that would be the only thing that I can see upgrading on this team. I said this yesterday, and, and I said it again today on Locked on Packers. This is the best cornerback room in football. And think about how long it's been since we've been able to say that. And also think about what happened the last time we could say that. Think about those those 2009 and 2010 teams with Charles Woodson, with Sam Shields and Tremont Williams. And, and before Sam Shields was there, it was Al Harris. This group has a chance to be that kind of secondary. And I understand they don't behind that, they don't really have anyone. I think they'll ultimately sign some sort of low-cost veteran that will not have to come in and be what Russell Douglas was last year. Um, that was one of the things about Eric Stokes in, in college is he, he always played. He was always on the field. Um, and, and so if, if you know you're going to get 17 games from him and you're going to get 17 games from, from those other two guys, I mean, they're in, they're in tremendous shape. And, and with the safeties, I mean, I think one of the best safety duos in the league, um, I think you can make a strong case that this is the best secondary in football, and I think you can make the best the, the case that this is the best secondary the Packers had since that Super Bowl team when it had Nick Collins 
and, and Charles Woodson and all those guys. So I think you have to be really excited about that. This is, this is the most talented defense the Packers have had in, in a very long time. And, and, you know, we, we, I think we, we sometimes lionize stars um, in retrospect a little bit more than, than we did at the time. Clay Matthews was, was really good in 2010, but he was still a young player. Sam Shields mm-hmm. ended up being a really impactful player, but, but he was a rookie in 2010. And, and so I think that we, we remember it differently because of how their careers played out subsequently. It, it's not going to be surprising if you get that, that sort of Eric Stokes jump and all of a sudden he's got six interceptions this he could have six interceptions last year if he just caught the ball a couple times. Um, you know, if he if he gets ten percent better, fifteen percent better, this this defense has top Joe Barry's not gonna say it, didn't want to say it on the call today, but this this defense has top five, top three, top like if this is the best defense in the league, I don't think anyone should be surprised. And that that is the thing that I think has gotten lost a little bit in all of the discussions around Devontae Adams. Clearly, that was part of the plan in this offseason for Brian Gutekinds. Pay Devondre Campbell, pay Russell Douglas, um, bring in Jerron Reed, and then heavy on defense early. Man, this defense, this is, this is going to be a, a really fun group. And it's gonna, it reminds me of in 2019 after the Packers beat the Bears on opening night. Adrian Amos makes the game-winning play against his old team, and Aaron Rodgers goes on national TV. And the first thing he's asked about, you know, the, the game and, the, you know, whatever, and he says, we've got a defense. And, and I think that that is, that is my big takeaway from where this team is right now. They, they finally have a defense worthy of Aaron Rodgers and his level of play. And so then can they put that together and, and make a real Super Bowl run? Talking with Peter Bukowski, Locked on Packers podcast. You can get his stuff at Peter underscore Bukowski. Uh, before I let you go, so we touched on Aaron Rodgers. Um, give me your thoughts. I assume it's going to be a couple of years that we're going to have Aaron Rodgers. Really, I look at what uh, they've done. I think they've pushed at least the majority of their chips to the middle of the table. I think they're banking on the next couple of years to be the years to actually go for it. Now you just have to worry about the quarterback. Give me your thoughts on the quarterback, his thoughts, what we've heard from him, what we haven't heard from him, things like that this offseason going into the the OTAs, the mini camps, and then ultimately training camp. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting, something that he said um, in an interview uh, on draft night with Pat McAfee, and that was that he was surprised Devontae Adams made the choice that he did to go back to, to Las Vegas um, despite the fact that, according to Aaron, Devontae knew what Rodgers' plan was in terms of playing, which signals to me that his plan is two, three more years. That, I mean, it has to be at least two, if not three more years at minimum, because otherwise, if you're Devontae Adams, you're going, well, if you're only going to play one, maybe two, then maybe it does make more sense for me to go play with Derek Carr. Unless, And, and, and I'm giving Rodgers the benefit of the doubt here that he doesn't think so highly of himself that, that just one or two years with him is better than any amount of time with any other quarterback. That, to me, that's how I read what he was saying. So you're, you're getting two or three more years at least from him. Um, and then the question becomes how much say uh, is, is, is he getting in this offense that makes the offense better? I thought last year they got a little too – um, in love with some of the, the base concepts, you know, and, and Matt LaFleur said that Aaron Rodgers is always reminding him, Hey, if something works, let's run it again. Like you, it's, you're, don't be afraid to do that. I think last year they got a little stagnant and I just, I wonder how much of that was Aaron Rodgers and how much of that was Matt LaFleur. Um, my, my, my impression of it is that someone like Aaron Rodgers is going, Hey, let's, let's keep running this until they stop it. 
um, and and all of the Devontae centric pieces of this, the the last play action, is is how Rodgers wants to play. Um, and and that's not even they're not even all bad pieces of the offense. They were really good out of four receiver sets last year when they had those four receivers that they could throw out there when MVS was healthy. But if if they're going to be a good offense or a great offense this season, I think they need to look more like they did in 2020. They need to be able to find ways to run the ball more effectively, and they need to lean into Matt Lafleur, the play caller, the play designer, um, and not just say, "Aaron, it's all on you." And and even if Aaron wants that, I think I think you know Matt Lafleur needs to be able to say, "Look, we need to trust what we're doing here, what we're building here. We need to trust the offense." And what we're able to do designing things so that it doesn't have to just be all, okay, here's the play. And if the, if the first option isn't there, now it's now try to pull a rabbit out of a hat. This is going to be a big test for Matt LaFleur without Devontae Adams. And I think it's the best opportunity that we're going to get to really see what Matt LaFleur wants to be. What what I would love to see from Rodgers is for him to say, okay, Matt, let's, you know, collaboration is great. Let's do that. But um, this is your offense and, and let's, let's run it. Um, in in your vision and in, in your eyes on what you think this this is the best thing for our team because I think that's what happened in 2020 and then uh, there was a little bit of I thought a step back in 2021 in terms of creativity that that I I do attribute at least in part um, to Rodgers wanting to have a little bit more direct control in in game planning and and the play to play stuff. Peter, always good to chat with you, buddy. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk uh, more down the road. There's going to be more OT. I mean, football is a 24-7 sport now, so, you know, it is what it is. We'll talk soon. I love it. Thanks, Bill. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. There you go. That's Peter Bukowski. Locked on Packers podcast at Peter underscore Bukowski is where you can find him. Always appreciate the knowledge, dropping it on us today, and uh, you're going to hear from uh, Joe Barry when we come back. Also, you've got Tiger Woods making some comments today as well. want you to hear those as it's Tiger Rory and Jordan teeing off early, 8-11 in the morning on Thursday, which is going to be must-see TV if you are a golf enthusiast of any shape or nature. Uh, speaking of that, our good friend, speaking of nature, you want us to be able to see nature. You're looking outside right now on the uh, the, the Bud Light live stream, right outside of those Pella windows and doors, the wi- uh, Pella window that I had uh, brought in last year, as a matter of fact. And uh, when you talk about the year-round home team, that's it. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. In the dead of winter, heat of summer, everything in between, Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, they are energy efficiency made beautiful for your home. And the best part about it is this. Look, they have different innovations like the roll screen inside the glass, the slider window. You can get different hardware, different finishes. You can make it look you know, like you want for your home or if you want to do some remodeling, you can do that. Plus, it adds value to your home. It doesn't matter what what line of windows. They have a couple of different energy-efficient windows in vinyl. They've got Impervia, which is stronger than actual fiberglass. They've got three different lines of wood windows, traditional to contemporary. they got six lines of windows to fit your home, to fit your style, fit your budget. And that's what they do. And there's no reason not to get a hold of them right now. If you want to fit any budget, choose up to 2500 bucks off uh, a, an installed patio door, up to $3,000 off an installed entry door system right now, and different financing options avail- available as well. Don't put it off any longer. I know you want to keep the heat out and the cool in this summer. You want to keep the warm in and the heat out, or in the cool out this winter. Get it all done right now with our friends from Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin and give them a shout. 855-PELLA-WI. That's 855 855- Pella, W-I, P-E-L-L-A, or go to PellaWI.com. That is Pella, W-I, 
com. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.